Welcome back to King Rose Court, episode 50. Yes, the big 5-0 is inbound. Woo! And as you can see, I'm not showing my face this evening. Um, I want it to be all about the music. And I thought the 50th episode would be the best time to get uh, one of my most anticipated discography deep dives underway. And t- today... We are going to be talking about the Slayer discography deep dive. Now normally this discography deep dive is myself and one other person talking about a band's discography from start to finish. But today because it's the 50th episode and because it's Slayer and I love Slayer so much and it's my show. Um, I asked, I reached out to a few people just to, to share their thoughts on a, a particular album. And if they had any nice memories from that album. So it's a deep dive of, I suppose you could say, joy <laughs> for Slayer. Um, there's a few musicians, there's a few people involved in the Irish metal scene, podcasters, fans. Um, so you'll hear all kind of types of, you know, Slayer fans here. Uh, so for now, I'm going to leave you. And we'll start off the discography deep dive with Show No Mercy. Okay, what is a crack, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Emmett, and I'm the host of the From the Depths podcast. It's a weekly heavy metal and horror movie podcast that comes out via Acast and wherever you get your podcast from. And I've been asked by Carolyn Co. to talk to you a little bit about Slayers. 1983 debut show no mercy and i was absolutely head over heels when i got to go ahead to chat about this album compared to many of the other slayer albums as it is by far my favorite slayer album alongside the follow-up to this hello Wait. and for many many reasons i'm not going to spend too long in it now I'm not going to do what i usually do on from the depths and talk for an hour or so about an album I'm just going to talk to you for a minute or two about this what is there to say about this album that hasn't already been said? There isn't really all that much. I can say that it was the album as a teenager that got me from liking Slayer somewhat to loving Slayer. I was introduced to Slayer like most through kind of like Rain of Blood, uh, Seasons in the Abyss. Uh, do you know that there of albums, kind of like Christ's Illusion, stuff like this. And I enjoyed those albums, particularly Rain of Blood, Tots for Great and everything like this. I was always more into like New Wave British Heavy Metal. I was always more into kind of... Um, early early thrash and stuff this wasn't really big into that kind of like the the kind of rick rubin era of slayer all that much and the later stuff at all but hearing this for the first time here in hello it's here in the chemical warfare ep really opened my eyes to slayer and i've been incredibly lucky the one of the times i saw slayer in a basketball hall in america of all places they actually played the opening track of this album which is evil has no boundaries and some of the tracks on this are by far some of my favourite Slayer tracks of all time. You got Die by the Sword, live version of that off the live on Dead EP, our album is savage. Um, you got Metal Storm Fest, the Slayer, the classic Black Magic, which was regularly in rotation in their setup until they retired recently. The Final Command, as well as the Antichrist. The Antichrist is probably one of my favourite Slayer albums, or Slayer albums, Slayer songs of all time and yeah you can't really go wrong with Sabbath at all it, they wear their influences in their sleeve like mad here you can hear the crossover of kind of new wave british heavy metal stuff alongside uh early us and uk hardcore punk as well as like you know like a priest and everything all these influences there they wear hand on their are out in their sleeve 
Um, they're not the classics there that we kind of know and love. They don't really get there quite here on Shona Mercy. That's more on the next album, Hello Waits, and the next album to follow after that. But yeah, Shona no Mercy, December 1983, the debut by Slayer, my favorite personal Slayer album. And yeah, thank you very much for listening to my ramble about this, lads. And again, you can listen from the lips every Tuesday. Thanks, to, as always, to Carol for having me on the show. And I will pass you on to whoever is talking about the next album, which is, of course, the classic Hello Waits. Thank you very much. Hey everyone, uh, Mick from Salad Cult here. How are you keeping? So yeah, next up in this Slayer deep dive that Carl King was doing, um, Live on Dead. I said I'd do this with it as well, because they were tied together on one stage on CD or tape, get to do them together. So, Live and Dead, released in 1984, it was originally supposed to be recorded live, but the story goes is they recorded in the studio with about 12 people in attendance. The audience noise at it afterwards. So, technically it is still live because it's all recorded live in the studio. To me, this is where Slayer started to actually sound like fucking Slayer. The speed, the aggression, all there in this. The energy in there as well. Um, originally seven tracks, Black Magic, Die With A Sword, Capture Sin, the Antichrist, Evil is No Boundaries, Shown of Mercy, and Aggressive Perfector. And these versions are fucking banging, way better than the Shown of Mercy version, I think. And then, next up then, around the same time, did recorded Haunting the Chapel. This, personally for me, is my favorite Slayer recording. They sound absolutely on fire on this. And Chemical Warfare is my favourite Slayer tune anyway, especially with the outro bit that would eventually become the opening riff for Ghosts of War and South of Heaven. So on this, like, this is like a blueprint for death metal with songs like the title track, Haunting the Chapel, and Capture a Sin. You hear a lot of the atonal backwards riff and all the chaotic solos as well. So from here on is where I think they began to sound like Slayer. From here up as far as South of Heaven. Then it'll kind of darkness the satanic side of it as well now you can hear the venom influence all there on the live and dead already but on the chapel's a different beast far more technical lombardo's drumming is absolutely incredible on it riffs are insane so nothing bad to say about these lot absolute staple in slayer's discography every every slayer fan should own these but yeah, this would be my particular era Slayer from Live and Dead, Haunted Chapel, Hellawaits. I think they're on fire here. Anyway, on to the next dude to talk about Hellawaits. Take it easy. Hello, I'm doing a video for King Rose Court's 50th episode. Uh, today I'll be having a look at uh, Hellawaits by Slayer. Get your merch. Bet you the lads having a good time. CD. <laughs> Made a few notes here. Let's go through the facts of the album first. Hello Waits was released in 1985. It's the second studio album, maybe the third, according to some. Artist by Albert Queller. Uh, apparently this was done overnight. It was a bit of a rush job. It still turned out great. The running time of the album is 37 minutes, 11 seconds long. 
Uh, it was bankrolled by Metal Blade Records and Brian Slagle. Uh, recorded at El Dorado Studios in Los Angeles, Analog. Uh, other bands that record them would have been Creator and Anthrax there in that studio. Uh, Bill Metoya, who would have done Haunting in the Chapel and uh, Show No Mercy. He seems like a really great engineer and he's worked with loads of other people. He's got a great saying on this. Like, uh, uh, songwriting and lyrics were shared by King and Hanneman during this as well. Uh, Raya maybe did one or two songs and lyrics. Uh, contributed to King and interesting enough, uh, played a Mockingbird and a Warlock on this uh, album here. And Hanneman played Les Paul at a BC Rich Legacy. Uh, Marshall Amps, yeah. Let's go through track by track, okay? Hello Waits, uh, not much to say about this, usual backwards thing, and then, yeah, we can't, this is classic. So, uh, track two, Kill Again, more classic stuff, very sing-along choruses, uh, yeah, love it. At Dawn They Sleep, personal favourite of mine, starts with the funny time signature, two minutes, 55 seconds, they have that uh, tempo change, which is, which is lovely, like Praise of Death uh, is another favourite of mine, yeah, it, it could easily have been on the next album, which we won't talk about. Uh, totally relentless song, yeah. Uh, track five, Necrophiliac, what a classic. Two minutes ten, it has the evil slayer breakdown that we all love, you know what I mean? And it has that gallop then afterwards, and then Aurea comes in with a big hell, three minutes and three seconds. Uh, Crips of Eternity, has that lovely early solo like uh, Captor of Sin. Um, yeah, those maiden-esque riffs. Uh, got that heavy metal from Show No Mercy. Harding of the Arteries, what a classic. Um, yeah, could be another favourite of mine. Um, has those 16 symbol catches in a row before then it breaks down into the, the intro again. So yeah, there are the tracks. Um, my personal thoughts, uh, well, I've seen three of these songs live, two in the SFX in 2001 in uh, The Ambassador in 2005 at Dawn They Sleep, um, Necrophilia, Calloways, yeah. So uh, it's that evil, dark, atmospheric vibe that comes off this album. It might be down to the reverb and the, 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 the vocals and the guitars and stuff. Um, it definitely different guitar tones from from later Slayer stuff. It might be down to the passive pickups pre AMG days, where the the, the, the the distortion breaks up a bit more, like a honky bass right up the middle, uh, more progressive, more key changes, more tempo changes. Definitely different to the other Slayer albums. Um, you know, it still has that touch of heavy metal from the from the Show No Mercy days. Yeah, I love it. Definitely my second favorite album. Um, is there any negatives? No. It's perfect. Yeah, I like the funny Tom sound. I like I like the MIDI bass. So yeah, yeah, I love it. Cheers. I'm not gonna score. I don't score hard. All right, guys. Thanks very much to Carol for having me on the 50th episode of King Rose Court. My deep dive Slayer discography choice is Rain in Blood from 1986. 86 was a massive year for thrash metal. It coincided with the release of Master of Puppets from Metallica and Peace Sells But Who's Buying by Megadeth. Uh, I think Puppets came out in March and I think Megadeth came out later on that um, later on that summer. Uh, Rain in Blood was released in October. Uh, Jeff Hanneman and Kerry King did the writing for it, but Hanneman really put pen to paper for the vast majority of those songs. I think this might have only been one song that he's not responsible on. I think that's piece by piece. Um, I think the greatest thing about that record is it stands shoulder to shoulder with some of the greatest thrash metal albums released, not just in 1986, but of all time. They're 
I think it's their magnum opus. It followed Hello Waits. It's their third release, and I think it's by far their most successful. I mean, you've got like 12 tracks, um, but the lyrics for a lot of those are quite dark. Angel of Death, Necrophobic, Altar of Sacrifice, Epidemic, and then you've got Postmortem and Raining Blood. Now, the opening track, Angel of Death, written about Joseph Mengele, the, the so-called Angel of Death from Nazi uh, concentration camps, it goes into quite grim detail of his, his experiments on the, on the Jews in, in Auschwitz. Um, when you've got other songs like uh, Necrophobic, Piece by Piece, you've also got fairly grim descriptions uh, in the lyrics, and you follow through the entire album. It's just breakneck speed from start to finish. Then you get to Postmortem and Raining Blood. You can't have one without the other. One really has to be played. If you're out in the bar and you hear Postmortem, you're waiting for... Anytime I've ever seen Slayer and that happens, the place gets turned upside down, be it indoors or outdoors. You're just waiting for those drums to kick in, and as soon as it does, bodies go flying, limbs get broken, and I've had a fair few injuries in pits myself doing the exact same thing. Seen player Slayer close to like a dozen times, and it always ends the exact same. Um, it's my hope that they get back together at some point. We don't know how, re how uh, relatively uh, realistic that is. I mean, after this album was, was finished, Lombard Dave Lombardo left the band. He went on to tour with Overkill and Wasp. Um, so Rick Rubin gave him a shout saying, look, you have to come back and play the, play in the band. And he stayed there until um, until around the time God Hates Us All. And then they had the big falling out. And, you know, now he's in, he's in Testament now. He's doing very well for himself. But going back to Rain of Blood, it's one of the standout thrash albums of all time. And I don't think they have ever released anything anywhere near as successful to it. Certainly not in the cult following anyway. And it's my sincere hope that they actually do get back in the studio and do some more uh, serious damage. So uh, thanks very much to Carl again. It was great to have this. And uh, if you're listening to this, buy that album. Listen to it again and again and again. And uh, hopefully see you in the pit. So what I'm going to do with uh, Deep Dive on uh, South of Heaven, which is my favourite album, as some people may or may not know, uh, of Slayer. I've been listening to the Slayer since I was 13. And this was the first Slayer album that I listened to. Um, it was the fourth studio album and it was recorded in the, on the 5th of July in 1988 on Def Jam uh, by Rick Rubin of course who started his association with the band on the previous album Rain of Blood. A big change in sound for the band as well uh, from Rain of Blood. It was a lot slower, mid-tempo, you know, um, not as frantic but a lot, just as moody and just as nasty as the previous album. Um, Larry Carroll and um, Howard Schwartzberg, get that name right, <laughs> designed the cover. Of course, Larry Carroll is the, the classic artist for all of the the amazing artwork over the years. Um, it was no longer with us, of course. But um, there was 10 tracks in all. And South of Heaven doesn't need no introduction. It's, it's one of the best, you know, opening tracks ever of anything. Silent Scream, just every time I listen to that song, it just gets better and better and better. And as I say, I'm listening to this album till 13, since I was 13, so you do the math. <laughs> Live on Dead, a pretty nice, cool song, it's not bad. Like Behind the Crooked Cross, another favourite of mine. My God, just this album, I know this album, back to front, cover to cover, lyric for lyric, everything, everything about it. Mandatory Suicide, and I, I went off this song for a little while, but, um, in the last kind of 10 years or you know or so I've just it 
I love it. I used to, because I've seen Slayer so many times, I used to be like, oh, this song again. But now I just, oh, it's gotten a whole new uh, lease of life with me. Um, Ghost of War, I love that because it starts off with the end of Chemical Warfare. I think that's amazing. I just think that's really clever. Read Between the Lies is a cool song about, uh, well, like evangelists or whatever you want to call them. Cleanse the Soul. Not bad. Dissident Aggressor, of course, is a Judas Priest cover, which is very strange for it on a Slayer album to have a, a cover, but it works. It works really well. And then, of course, the album is finished off with my favourite Slayer song and the very first Slayer song I ever listened to, which was Spill the Blood. And I'm really sure that I pushed this into my daughter's head from a very young age, this album and this song. So, what an amazing album. It's perfect, in my opinion. Um, I've been listening to it, as I said, for so long. I had the cassette worn out, and it, this is the album that got me started on my Slayer journey, my Slayer escapades, I suppose you could say. And um, it'll never, ever, ever get old in my book. There you go. Hi guys, thanks Carl for including me in this deep dive into Slayer's albums. The album I got was uh, Seasons in the Abyss, uh, released in 1990. It was kind of like a gateway between the 80s and the 90s, obviously it was in 1990. But, I mean musically, I think the band was starting to change a little bit. The image changed, the lyrical themes changed, um, they were wearing baseball caps and, and less kind of... Fucking letters and studs, if you know what I mean. Um, you could criticize the album saying that it was less intense, the slower songs, blah blah blah. Um, that's true. Um, it was a different atmosphere, a different type of darkness. Um, the slower songs had power groove that you know was Slayer, and, and Lombardo's drumming really, really filled up. Um, the atmosphere of the slower songs as I say it's a kind of an in-between styles because they did have those classic Slayer um, faster songs as well you had Hollow Point is amazing uh, Spirit and Black is amazing we all love War Ensemble the title track itself the video was fucking awesome and I suppose it was just a more epic approach um, I suppose I had Spilled the Blood on South of Heaven as well that was a similar thing going on there. People will give out that it's not rain and blood. You can't release rain and blood every second year. You wouldn't want to, want them to. Uh, a good album with great parts to it. Um, anything else? There's great. There's great variety in the tempos and the, and the style, but some of it maybe just less. Less good, less, less layer or less intense, let's say. Um, less, how do you say, intense, I suppose, is the word, than what came before it. Um, not as good as the earlier albums and better than the albums that came after it due to the classic moments that you got in War Ensemble with the big drum fill in the centre of it the, the bombastic fucking double bass parts the leads uh, the likes of Hallowed Point and um, Born of Fire were 
fairly intense the whole way through. Expendable Youth was okay. Um, yeah, as I said, they were probably just moving with the times a little bit. They were influenced by what was around them. So, overall good but not great, but still a classic Slayer album. Thanks guys, cheers Carl. Album number six, Divine Intervention. 1994, it's four years since Seasons in the Abyss, it's three years since Decade of Aggression. Uh, Slayer have a new drummer. What the hell? Uh, Slayer is one of only two bands that I can remember exactly where and when I first heard them. And with Slayer, I was in uh, my friend's living room in Galway and he played me Rain and Blood. I couldn't get over it, couldn't get over the drumming, but never really got into the music for another couple of years. Like it was very impressive, but it wasn't my thing until it was. And then it was all about the drumming, and then there's no more Dave Lombardo. Made no sense until you hear Paul Bostaff. For me, uh, uh, the Lombardo Bostaff thing is very like Clive Burr, Nickel McBrain in Iron Maiden. Both really good, but Nico brings a bit of swing and groove to Maiden. And I think that's what Paul Bostock brings to Slayer. Uh, but we'll get back to that. The production on this, apparently Kerry King and Tom Araya weren't happy with it at the time. I think it's amazing. It is hands down my favorite Slayer production of any album they ever recorded. Uh, Rain and Blood is incredible production because of what came before it. Everyone was doing big, big boomy drums and echoey vocals and Rick Rubin threw that in the bin and produced this absolute classic. But I prefer the sound on this. It's warmer, the drums have more of dynamic range, there's more depth to the bottom of the toms, they just sound better. Uh, the guitars are really nice and warm and the vocals at the front is absolutely fantastic. That's me. Uh, I think that if, if what you're really into is really early 80s Slayer, this probably isn't your thing. But for me, it's it's hands down the best production uh, that they ever had. Track-wise, look, it's the usual themes you're going to find with Slayer, serial killers, Nazis, violence, some social commentary. Uh, standout tracks, ditto that. Stone Cold Classic, straight away. It, it, it's almost like it was a challenge. Like, let's see how short can we make a song and still have all the bits that you need in a song. Let's see, can we get can we get three verses, a chorus, uh, two guitar solos, and a slow bit into two and a half minutes. And they did it. It's fantastic. Uh, Serenity of Murder 213, some nice tracks on the on side two, for the, anyone who remembers the whole concept of side two, Mind Control is a great closer. Really, really good. Really good live. And, uh, and then there's Killing Fields. You know, if, if, if you said, if you said in, in 1990 that, that, you know, eh, Dave Lombardo, eh, let's get rid of him. People would think you're, what? You're gonna, you're gonna get rid of who? What? Um, so you know you're gonna have to have something pretty special lined up and not just not just a good drummer there's plenty of good drummers out there but you're gonna have to convince everybody that, uh, that you didn't do something stupid to get on with the and if 
that's what you've got to do there. This is the track you write. Uh, huge drum intro, uh, big slow build up, almost kind of hella weights kind of build up. And then this 5 4 groove, huge tom rolls, uh, absolutely fantastic. Paul Bostaff. I remember listening to this. This is the first Slayer album I listened to the day it was released and went and bought it and put it up at home and uh, absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, it is not as good an album for me as Rain and Blood. I don't think it's as good as Season. It's probably not as good as Set in Heaven in terms of the quality of the writing. Uh, I don't think any of the tracks on Divine Intervention are going to make it into my personal top 10 Slayer tracks. Probably not even my personal top 20. But I think as a body of work that hangs together really well, I don't think there's anything awful on it. No dodgy <coughs> Judas Priest covers. Um, I can heartily recommend it. Great production, some really good tracks. It's the last Slayer album that I really got into. Everything after that for me went a little bit downhill. But somebody else can tell me about those. Good night. We're here to the heavens. Uh, just after here, actually, my it's all going to be post. there, I'm afraid. Getting it done, though, but... Um... Well, I think we're going to be good at me, look. It is... Violent, spooky, freaky, weird. What have you said? And it must have... The entire record. Mm, from... Funk and and like groovy beats, groovy fucking rhythms to like still nasty. Yes, changed my fucking life and made me understand music to be a different thing than what I'd heard previously. And I maintain that to this day. And and going to what they made into the honest attitude where you've got their influences and what they what what where they came from and they slayed the fuck out of them uh, it made me look back and go well, what the fuck was that band about what was this band about what was that kind of genre about what was all this what were they into that made them kind of get to where they were you know what I mean and uh, it made me understand punk in a whole different level than I heard the fucking text was when I was a kid it may be see, oh, it comes from somewhere. All metal, all music comes from somewhere. It comes from, from what it was. I'm mean, gonna push it forward to what it is, and Slayer pushed and will continue, and continue to push to the very end. Fucking Slayer! Or something like that. at the bar what their favorite Slayer albums are and you're going to hear a lot of Rain and Bloods you're going to hear a lot of Seasons in the Abysses you're going to hear a lot of South of Heavens two, um, two answers you won't hear very much of are 
Diabolus in Musica and God Hates Us All, which is why I jumped at the opportunity to talk about these albums, because they are absolutely Slayer's most underrated albums, and I just fucking love them. So, the late 90s, early 2000s, heavy metal and metal music in general was being swept up in a movement which, at the time, and still to this day, is known as New Metal. I heard some criticisms of Slayer being accused by their fans of cashing in on this sound, saying that they're just being sellouts or they're just trying to get with the times. That's not what it is at all. What I hear it is as Slayer walking up to these kids, the Slipknots and the fucking Disturbs and all these people doing this new sound, all these new bands, listening to them and going, yeah, okay, I hear what you're going for. Here's how you fucking do it properly. I'm timing my speech here uh, with a minute of each song, of four songs, two from each album here. But, uh... Hmm. Anything you love about Slayer is going to be on these albums. If you love the thrashness, the loudness, the evil, the fucking slow, creepy songs, it's all there. Uh, Diabolus and Musica came out in 1998, and just look at how evil that fucking looks. Look at that. Looks like a fucking horror movie. Got like, I don't know, evil, occult fucking runes. Uh, highlights on this album are, for sure, uh, opening track Bitter Peace, Death's Head, which is this. Screaming from the Sky, which is what I played earlier on. Uh, Love to Hate. It's just such a thick, it's got that groovy sort of bass. There's a lot of Pantera influence in it, I think, actually. You know, we all know how big they were in the 90s. Uh, moving on, we're about at the, yeah, two minute, four seconds mark here. Listen to this. Listen to this. That's New Faith from God Hates Us All. Absolutely a uh, track highlight. God Hates Us All came out in 2001, 11th of September. Talk about spooky fucking coincidences. It was actually delayed, I think. It was supposed to come out earlier, but some bullshit happened. They delayed it by a day or two, and it ended up coming out on 9-11. And as if that isn't freaky enough, listen to the opening track, or not the opening track, the fucking opening of the song uh, Deviance. Track 10, Deviance. It sounds like, well, track 10 on this and... Well, track 10 on both of them. There's two versions of the album, which I have. But Deviance, it sounds like air traffic control sorts of back and forth with a woman screaming. It's really fucking creepy. But, uh... Kerry King has a tattoo of God Hates Us All down in his arm. Uh, Tom Araya was actually asked, being a... I love that break. Being a Christian, asked, Hey, if you're a practicing Christian, why are you in the band Slayer? And why is their most recent album called God Hates Us All? To which he responded, That's oh, just a cool title. Which it fucking is. Uh, this is the uncensored version. It's just the Bible with, you know, nails in a fucking pentagram. Obviously, that's way too offensive for anybody. Uh, Disciple. That's essentially the opening track. They could have cut the title track almost is Disciple because he says God hates us all in it. But this is the, the censored version. It's got, like, crucifixes and a target. I honestly think this is the better cover. It's cooler to look at, I think, more memorable. So track highlights on this, baby, are uh, New Faith. So fucking thrashy. New Faith, I would even argue that God Hates Us All is the 21st century's version of Rain and Blood. It's the speed, the aggression, the way every track just sort of leads into the next one so perfectly. It's a fucking masterpiece of an album, honestly. If there's anything you love about Slayer, you will find it in these albums. Please, please, I fucking beg and implore you, go back and listen to these two albums if you've been overlooking them, which you probably have. You will find such good shit in there. You will find something to love, I guarantee you. What else is great? Fucking Bloodline. 
the creepy ass long intro of Bloodline. I like how there's a kitty cat in Bloodline's uh, video as well. I could talk about these albums all day, honestly, but I'm approaching like the four and a half minute mark. So, uh. So folks, we are here to talk about uh, fucking Slayer, and uh, I will be talking about an album that was uh, uh, there, there were uh, there were lots of uh, expectations uh, to the to, to the release of this album because uh, not only uh, not only it was a long time since uh, Slayer had uh, released uh, anything from the in the studio, but it was also marked the return of uh, the, the greatest uh, trash metal drummer ever, and we are talking about Dave Lombardo and talking about this album, uh, that also marked the return of uh, uh, Larry Carroll doing the artwork, which is absolutely fantastic job done here, it's really, really cool, uh, and uh, the, the it paid off out Jeff's uh, Jeff Hanneman's effort to bring uh, to bring Dave Lombardo back. Paid off uh, in this album that uh, was uh, was super, the far better uh, album uh, since uh, 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 1991. The the, the 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 music on this album is pretty solid. Carey uh, wrote most of the songs. Uh, and uh, the music, as I said, is, 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 is overall is, is pretty good. The only uh, the down point of it, in my opinion, is uh, I find the lyrics a little bit repetitive, a little bit uh, a little bit shallow. But absolutely, it doesn't uh, doesn't make it any uh, doesn't make it. Uh, any, any that bad, so it is uh, overall is a great album. Uh, and uh, songs as uh, uh, conspiracy, uh, cult are uh, uh, absolutely uh, uh, powerful. Uh, and uh, the, the, the uh, except for jihad, uh, uh, it's pretty much uh, pretty much uh, an average, a solid album. Uh, it was uh, the production was also very good, and uh, I also like the, the, the fact that uh, Tom's uh, vocal was uh, back in a clear, cleaner vocal, uh, clear uh, in compared with the, the, the previous album. So it was uh, it was worth of the, 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 the over five years uh, waiting time for for this album. So. It's a, uh, it's a pretty, it's a fucking Slayer album. Good job. That's about you, folks. This album is World Painted Blood, and this is the eleventh studio album by Slayer. It was produced in November third, two thousand and nine, by Greg Fiddleman, and executively produced by Rick Rubin. This album has returned to their classic sound. It was um, the last two albums, Christ Illusion and God Hates Us All. It was a bit more experimental. And in this album, Slayer kind of went back to their roots again. It had more of that um, Rain and Blood, South of Heaven type sound. But it was it was still a bit more modernized. Uh, they had Dave Lombardo back. I think he came back uh, Christ Illusion, the album before. 
Uh, this album, it's... What did I say about it? The first time I listened to it was around the time I seen the Big Four shows back in the day. Um, I thought it was really good at the time. Um, it took me a few more years to really appreciate what it was. Um, but it wouldn't be my top Slayer album, obviously, but um, it's, it's pretty fucking good. My top tracks would be Public Display of Dismemberment, um, World Pain of Blood, the title track. It's a great song. And as well, the most experimental track and track that kind of changed things up in this album was Playing With Dolls, I thought, personally. Kind of had that Dead Skin Mask kind of vibe from uh, Seasons in the Abyss. And uh, the bummer track, I guess, would be Americon. And that's World Painted Blood. Okay, Slayer! You know the name, not the face. I'm Carl's daughter. Um, I'm doing my deep dive on Repentless, one of my favourite albums. Um, so, some quick facts about it is that it's the 12th and final studio album of Slayer. Um, the, it came out on September 11, 2015. It's the only album not to feature Jeff Hanneman, who died in 2013, sadly. Um, he was replaced by Gary Holt from Exodus, and it also marked a uh, a return to the band for Paul Bostoff since God Hates Us All in 2001. Um, the album was released on Nuclear Blast and produced by Terry Date and um, it's six years between this and World Painted Blood. It was recorded in Henson Hollywood and it um, has 12 tracks which if you listen to all of them together 41 minutes 55 seconds if you have the time which you should. Um, it was written by, most of the songs in it were written by Terry King and Tom Araya, except for Piano Wire and Atrocity Vendor, which included some of Jeff Hanneman's work. Um, in 2018, um, I remember me and my dad and my mom, we all went to the one of the first gigs of the Final Slayer tour, and one of my favourite songs like, was the opening, um, Divisions of Saviour, and like they pulled down the curtain and then the crowd went wild. It was one of my favourite experiences of seeing Slayer. Um, some of my favourite songs um, are Repentless, Pride and Prejudice and You Against You. And I remember on the final day of the tour, um, me and my dad went in the, into the sitting room and we put on the Repentless Blu-ray and we just started singing along to it and it was just a really good experience for me and my dad to have like, and to remember Slayer in that way. But anyway, that's... <laughs>